All right. Amen. Amen. Well, man, Pastor Icky, thank you for such a warm uh, introduction. And I'm excited to be here with you guys today. And like Icky said, he is a dear friend and uh, somebody I've come to know and trust and walk with and uh, really made it one of my life's goals that, man, we are going to be friends till the end. We're going to stick it out. And so I'm grateful to be here with you today. And uh, it is my pleasure. Bring your greetings from Restoration Community Church. Like he said, we're in the OST South Union area of Third Ward where God is calling us to rebuild the lives of individuals, families, and community. And we are committed to their work uh, to see this city in a better place. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to talk with you this morning. I'm excited to be here. Uh, but I want to start off with this. You know, like he told you, I'm a graduate of Texas Southern University. And when I was finishing school, for a season, I, while I was graduate, I mean, my last year or so after I graduated, I was working for Harris County Juvenile Probation Department. And one of my first jobs there was what they called a cottage parent. I worked in one of the homes where for an eight-hour shift, you were essentially a parent to about, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15, sometimes 20 young boys in a home. And it, it was a very demanding and difficult job. I mean, you had administrative paperwork, you had to hand out discipline, you had to feed, make schedules, do help with homework. So, I mean, you're getting, the, you're getting a full dose of what it would be like um, to be a parent. And it was a very demanding and challenging job. And so, I remember, never forget, though, one night I learned something on this job that really just blew my mind and, 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 and changed me. I had a young boy in my dorm one night, and the, you know, like any young boy, the age group was from like 12 to 13, sometimes to 15, 16. The hardest part of the job was getting them to bed. Like, that was the hardest part of the job. So, you know, you'd have a bunch of rooms, you get one guy down, as soon as you go down to take care of the rest of them, he's running around acting silly, that whole kind of thing. So one night I had one of the guys like that in my dorm. He was giving me the blues. He, you know, wasn't just running around, running around, wasn't doing what he's supposed to do. So I made up in my mind, you know, I'm going to go down here and I'm going to shame him to get in this bed like he's supposed to. So I went down there and I told him, I said, man, do I have to come down here and treat you like a five-year-old to get you to go to bed? And so in my intention to do that, I, he jumped in the bed, I grabbed the sheets and I began to tuck him in like he was a little baby. And to my surprise, do you know he curled up in the fetal position? This big smile came up on his face. He let me tuck him all the way in, pray for him, and turn off the lights. And I didn't hear from him again that night. And I walked out of the room, and I was, I'm, I'm 21, 22 years old. I'm blown away. I'm like, what? And then I heard the Lord tell me, just clear as like, David, out of all the things you do on this job, the thing that counts the most is the love you give them. When they feel love from you, that's what makes this job work. And David, it's not only on this job, but it's in life. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, if you will allow me. Love. Because it's one of the simple things that we all know and we all say it all the time, but oftentimes it eludes us when we need it the most. It's hiding from us, so we think, when we need it the most. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 
We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but before we get there this morning, Paul was talking to the Corinthians in chapter 12 in the final verses because they were struggling with the idea of gifts. And they had become enamored with the gifts that brought people a lot of attention. Some gifts bring people to the forefront. forefront. And so they have become enamored with that. And so Paul is saying to them in verses 29 through verses 31, he says, all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have the gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts, and I show you still a more excellent way. So Paul is saying to them, all of these talents and gifts and these abilities, they're wonderful. And they are a part of the body, and I gave them to you, and they are to be used. But, you know, like all of us. When somebody can cast out demons or somebody can perform a miracle or somebody can uh, uh, interpret tongues, man, we get excited about that. I don't see that all the time. And they get ushered into the front as if their gifts are more important than others. Paul is saying everybody doesn't have those. I didn't make everybody the same. So be careful about how you get caught up into that. But then he says, but I show you a more excellent way. It's almost as if he's saying, listen, if you're going to get caught up in something, if you're going to get enamored by something, if you're going to push something to the forefront, hold on, let me tell you what that is. Rock with me for just a moment. These concluding words, and now I will show you a more excellent way, underline the importance and the significance of what follows. And here's what follows, if you'll allow me to read it. If I speak with the tongue of men of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of all prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all the faith so as to move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give my possessions to feed the poor and I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, I am nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Does not take into account wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they'll be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when, perfect, when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak as a child. Think as a child. Reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. But then I will know fully as I am fully known. But now faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. Amen. The Spirit's principal task in our lives is a reproduction 
of the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the Spirit's chief principle goal, to reproduce the character of Christ in our lives. The priority in that character is a reproduction of love. And it is from love that all the other aspects flow. This chapter shows love as a more excellent way. The idea that Christians must make it their first aim in the exercise of our spiritual gifts. If we ask then the most excellent way to what? To get to where? The reply is to serve and honor God and his son and answer. And I want to talk about that in four ways this morning. The goal is to become more like him with the chief characteristic of the reproduction of love in my life. And listen, we know that's easier said than done. But I want to give you four reasons why we ought to all be pursuing that this morning. Why, before we get caught up in anything else, anybody's singing ability, anybody's preaching ability, anybody's ability to interpret tongues, before we get caught up in anything else, the chief thing we ought to be pursuing and excited about is the ability to love one another. Let me give you the first one. Love is the best spiritual gift. How do we know love is the best spiritual gift? Paul mentions speaking in tongues and prophecy and generosity and martyrdom, all the gifts that have the potential to bring attention to self. Paul mentioned those, if I give my body to be burned, if I give all my possessions away, all of those things bring attention to me. All those things have the potential to say, look what I'm doing. Look how much I love God. Look what I've done. And so we got to be careful about that. And without the presence and the practice of love, the gifts of the Spirit are useless. If we do all these wonderful things, but there's no love wrapped in it, what really have I done? If I can make a whole big list of all that I've accomplished and all the things that I've done in the kingdom of God, but there's been no love attached to it. I've not invested and cared about people and loved them in a way that Christ loved the people that he was around. What really have I done? Is what he's trying to wake us up to. You know, it's one of the things that made the civil rights movement and Dr. King so special was the ability of Dr. King to love even in the midst of what he was going through. It's the one thing that drew people to say, hey man, there's something going on here. When a man can be spit on in his face, his life be under constant threat, bricks thrown at him, beaten and thrown in jail, but yet he can still speak of love. There's something, there's something different going on here. That's why I love his quotes when he would say, darkness can't drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. He had an understanding about, man, if we're going to accomplish this, man, it's got to be through love. He would also say, I've decided to stick with love because hate is too big a burden to bear. I don't know about you, but I've, been, I've gotten to the place in my life sometimes when I've just, I've decided, man, these people did me wrong and I'm going to hate them and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be happy until I get, get even. And it made me somebody I did not like. 
it became a, a burden too big to bear. He would also say love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. And it's true. It's the only thing that can do it. There's a hood poet of mine that I like to listen to all the time and he says sometimes that love is measured by the hate you can love through. We live in a society today when nobody wants to persevere through and say, man, I'm going to love you anyway. Sometimes I like to tell people, listen, I'm going to love you and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. I'm going to love you and there's nothing you can do about it. So you're just going to have to get used to it. Amen. Come on now. And it's hard sometimes. And you know, one, I'm tell you something, one other thing I've learned, and I've had to learn this myself. You know, when I, and Dr. King is one of my favorite people, not a perfect man, but one of my favorite people because of what he did and how he did it. But you know, he had to endure hate and he had to love through it. But I'm going to tell you one of the most challenging ways he had to do that when it came from his own. You know, there were those within his own culture and his own circle who hated him because he chose love. Now, you want to talk about a hard way to love. How about loving the people that are closest to you? Sometimes they can be the ones that sting you the hardest. They can, their, their words and their stones hurt the most. The very ones that you're serving. If you got teenagers, the very ones you're feeding. <laughs> those things can hurt the most because those are the closest ones to you. But God has called us even still to a more excellent way. To love. Even when it's hardest. Because sometimes love is measured by the hate you can love through. By what you got to endure to still love. And God has called us to that. So love is the best spiritual gift. If we're going to pursue anything first, man, let us pursue love. Because it is the greatest spiritual gift. Number two, love is the chief aspect of the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if you think of all those various sums and aspects of the fruits of the Spirit, it's almost like a mathematical sum. They all add up to one thing. What are they equal to? Love. Love. Love is patient with people as it tries to understand them and react accordingly. Love is kind in that it always thinks of a gentle and constructive way of dealing with people in difficult situations. You know, all of the things that Jesus was known for, and he was known for a lot. He was the word, so he knew the word. He performed miracles. He was a great teacher. But what he was most known for was his character. And that's what we're all trying to become as duplicates. And we're trying to reproduce the character of Christ in our lives. But that chief character of Jesus was his ability to love people. To be concerned about them. To be patient with them. To be understanding with them. 
to go to people that folks will say, man, what you talking to them for? Why are you wasting your time with them? Even when he called his disciples, he didn't pick, men the guys that were most qualified through the, through the hiring firm and the recommendations he was given. He, man, he went and picked a bunch of dudes that you would have never thought. He would select. And he spent time with them. He built relationship with them. He loved on them. That's a challenge for us today. As God is calling us, as we live in a society today, man, where people don't want to invest the time with one another, don't want to take the time out to really love one another like we should, to be patient like we should, to be kind like we're called to be, to express and develop the character of Christ with one another. Colossians 3.14 says, Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. God has called us to this. And one of the saddest things today is to look around the body of Christ and you got folks that won't even talk to each other. You got folks that won't even come and sit in the church together because you voted for this person and I voted for this person. Because you think this way and I think this way. Well, my question is, how in the world are we going to tell a world about a risen Savior who's called us to be united in the body of Christ if we can't even sit together? How, who's going to listen to the message that we have unless we embrace one another with love and patience and understanding? You know, living in Third Ward and in an inner city community, one of the things that I have been forced to do is I got to work with a lot of different folks because we do a lot of community-based work. And so oftentimes I have found myself working with folks that you wouldn't catch me dead with in any other situation. I'm going to just be real with you. I'm like, man, I'm rocking with a motley crew here. What in the world? I'm talking about folks from all kind of backgrounds and all kind of stuff. And one of the things that the Lord has taught me through the process is, yeah, Dave, no, you might not be hanging out with them at any other point in time. But there's nothing wrong with you walking with them, loving on them, and understanding with them, and, and understanding them. On, and maybe it's work, the venture we're working on in the community at that particular time. But what I've learned is it made me a little bit more patient. It made me a little bit more long-suffering. Uh, long with folks. It, it, it produced some flexibility and some pliability in me, not that I have to give up my core values, not that I have to give up my convictions, but it made me spend a little bit more time understanding and walking with somebody different than me. Didn't change me in terms of who I am, but it did change me and say, you know what? Now I see what Jesus was talking about. I see why this is hard. I see how this is difficult. But sometimes we've told ourselves that, nope, I got to surround myself with only the people that's like me, only the people that think like me, only the people that walk like me, only the people that vote like me, that go where I go. But let me tell you something. Sameness and likeness is not unity. Unity is oneness of purpose. What makes the body of Christ one is not that we all think exactly alike and do exactly alike. What makes us one is we serve one Lord. 
What produces unity in us is that we serve one risen Savior. And man, listen, there's room for a lot of people under there. But if we forsake love, then we forget. I'm called to love that guy, even though he's different than me, because he proclaims the Lord. I'm going to be honest with you. I, one of the relationships I love, one of the things I love about my relationship with Icky is that outside of we both love Jesus, we both used to be Spurs fans until he sold out. Uh, so that took us some getting over that. I'm, that's the hardest part of my part of loving him, to be honest with you, is that he flipped teams on me. But after God convicted me and I got over that, you know, but really, when you get past a few things, man, we don't agree on a whole lot. We, 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 we come down differently on a whole lot of things. And when we're lifting weights on Fridays, we're talking about all of it. We're talking about all of it. And he's asking me, well, what do you think about this? Well, I think this. What? Man, how could you think that? That's crazy, man. No, I think this. Well, man, I disagree with you on this. Man, I think more it's like this. And we go back and forth and back and forth. And then you know what? When it's over, man, we dap up, hug up. Man, when we, we get together next week, where are we going to eat lunch at? See, there's something, man, that, that is produced when you, when you got confidence that, man, I can be who I am and be different and still have love. I believe it really produces a stronger relationship. And so part of the thing I share from my own experiences with people is, man, don't be afraid to love people who are different than you. Don't be afraid of that. It's only going to produce a stronger relationship. Third, my third point, love superiority to other gifts is summed up in that it never fails. Love will never let you down. It'll never fail you. When all the human gifts pass away, it will remain, as we saw in verses 8 through 13. Human love at its best may fail, diminish, and even disappear, but God's love will never fail. The love of our Lord Jesus is reproducing us by the Spirit, and it does not fail, but goes on and continues where human love stops. You know, when I was courting my wife, I told her, her name is Melissa. I said, Melissa, if you accept my proposal for marriage, you'll have sunshine on a cloudy day. I said, girl, if you take my proposal for marriage when it's cold outside, you'll have the month of May. I said, let me tell you, girl, no man will love you like I can love you. Outside of God and Jesus, no one will love you more than I love you. Girl, take this ring and marry me. I'm the best thing that will ever come into your life. I'm talking about I was putting it on thick and talking big talk. But you know, after a couple of years of marriage, I thought to myself, what was I saying? Because I found out talk is cheap. Love is hard. And I thought back to the words that I said, and you know, I said, you know what I probably should have been saying is, I'm going to try and love you like nobody else can love you. I'm going to give it my best. Because the reality is human love is flawed. It's failed. It'll, it'll let you down. In the moments when I should have been the man that I was supposed to be, that I committed myself to be, oftentimes I let her down. 
I couldn't follow through on the big words that I promised. And oh, she was too happy to let me know. You remember what you said? Do you remember you told me? Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. But thankfully, she loves the Lord and she's a forgiving woman. But the reality is, God's love is not like that. The love of the Spirit is not like that. His, his love is real. And the, and the love enforced by the Spirit is true. And it will never fail. It will never let you down. And so you can trust in pursuing love as the chief spiritual gift of my life. I can trust that I'm, I'm doing the right thing. If I love this person, no matter what they do to me, if I love this person and seek to pursue love, it won't let me down. I don't have to worry that I've wasted my time. I don't have to worry that, man, I should have tried to do something else. Uh-uh. Love never fails. There will be a time, it says, when prophecy is no more because we have direct revelation from God, either by the present or the future. It just won't be necessary. But it says love will remain. If love is this important, it's got to be high up on our agenda. And my last point is this. The strength of Christian love. Why we ought to do it? Because it's, it's, it's what gives you the muscle to do what you need to do in this world. Love is the greatest gift because it's the very nature of God. Faith and hope are important. But one day, you won't need faith and hope. You won't need faith because you, it'll all be revealed to you. You won't need hope because you'll be standing face to face one day. So those things will go by the wayside. When we love, we show the nature of God. Love is the greatest because it leads others to our Savior. How will people come to know Jesus? By the love we have for one another. You, I can preach all the wonderful sermons I can come up with. I can sing all the beautiful songs that can be written. But ultimately what people want to know is, man, what about this Jesus has changed you? And how do I see that in you as it relates to me? And if you don't, if you don't have a love in you of Jesus that you can give to other people in the world we live in today, who wants to hear that? I'm around people all the time. I don't get enough. I want to be able to preach to them all the time. They don't even give me that much time. All they want to know is, Pastor Hill, do you even care what I'm going through? On my way this morning, as I had to was taking my dogs out for a walk to get over here this morning. I'm crunched for time. What do I do? I come out the back door. I got a homeless couple in the backyard in, my, in the back of my house screaming and yelling at each other that I've been trying to get them to come to church so I can minister to them. And they won't even let, I'm, I'm in a time crunch and they, Pastor Hill, we need to talk to you right now. And I'm like, man, I got to be at Bayou City Fellowship. Man, I got to go somewhere in a little bit. And I've been trying to, and deep inside of me, I want to say, if you had been coming to church like I've been inviting to you, you wouldn't be going through this. You would have heard my sermon on husbands and wives, and you wouldn't be out here doing this. That's what I wanted to tell them. 
But I could feel the spirit tap me on the shoulder and say, David, you got to love them where they at. And they need you for a moment right now. So step into it, David, and show them you care a little bit. It happens all the time. But how many times does it happen in your life when the spirit taps you on the shoulder and says they need your love for just a moment? I know you're frustrated with them. I know you're angry with them. I know you already told them this. I know you already been down this road with them. But they need a little bit of my love. And I want to send it through you right now. Would you be available to do it? And it takes all we have to push that flesh out the way. And say, Lord, I'll pursue it because it's the chief goal. It's the greatest gift. And if they're going to experience you, maybe this is the moment they'll truly experience you. I'm telling you, it's worth it, y'all. And in the world we live in today, when folks won't give each other the time of day for a lot of different reasons, when all people want to do is jump on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and yell and holler at each other, you turn on the news, you turn on any form of media, all people want to do is separate and divide us. This is a great opportunity for the people of God to stand up and say, man, I'm going to link arms with my brothers and sisters in the Lord. I don't care how different they are to me. I'm going to love them and we're going to walk together and we're going to send a message to the world that love is not dead, not in the body of Christ. And we're going we're gonna to lift it up and let it shine. Let me close with this. Love is a command, but it's also the work of the Holy Spirit. We must express our love for it to be a real thing. We can't do this in the flesh. It's got to be done in the spirit. And we got to express it for it to be a real thing. Faith will be replaced by sight when we get to heaven. Hope will become a reality, but the love of God will always Remain. When I stand, when you and I stand before him face to face, we won't need faith because we'll be there. We won't need hope because we'll be there. You know, the only thing that'll still be there with us is the love that we have for him and others. So if that's the only thing that I'm going to really need where I'm going, how, man, I, I probably need to be working on that right where I am right now. Let me sharpen that knife and let me make it the best that it can be. I encourage you this morning in the society that we are in today, don't let it consume you with bitterness, anger, division, strife. Don't let it overtake us. Don't let it ruin the testimony of what God wants to do. Sometimes, man, things got to get ugly for the light to shine the brightest. Church, this is our time to shine. Let's embrace one another. Let's embrace each other in the body and let's lift up something the world can see. Man, what is that that they got going on? And I want some of it. How can I be a part of that? Let me pray for us this morning. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord. Father, I pray that you would guide us in this this morning, God, that Father, love even though we know of it and even though, Lord, we walked in it, sometimes it can be so difficult. And Father, even at times when we need it the most, it seems like it can be so hard for us to grab. 
Father, I pray for each and every heart this morning. No matter what's going on in their lives, no matter where they may be, myself included, when you tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, I want to send a little of my love through you to somebody. Lord, that we are not in such a bad condition that we can't do it. Father, we are not so damaged that we can't move flesh to the side to say, Lord, use me. Let me be the vessel that your love flows through. May the Spirit take hold of me. And may you be glorified by the love you want to show to others through me. So, Father, use your people. Touch them. Gift them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.